You are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. A good Monday show for you. We're going to go over the U.S. Open. We have another first-time winner at the U.S. Open for the fifth year in a row. It was a good tournament. wasn't a great tournament, but it certainly got interesting towards the end. We're going to talk a little bit about Rory coming up short again, his weird career that he's had. In the NBA, first big trade to go down. Bradley Beal is headed to the Suns from the Wizards. We're going to talk about that. John Morant gets a 25-game suspension. Shohei Otani putting up just ridiculous stats. I feel like I've talked about him three days in a row now. Well, I've got even more stats for you that are just unbelievable. Uh, A uh, Major League Baseball note in St. Louis. Maybe if I can get to a college football note, I'll get to that as well. We'll get to all that momentarily. All right, let's start off with the U.S. Open. I will always talk the majors when it comes to golf. Wyndham Clark is your winner. First-time major winner, like I said at the Open, fifth year in a row that the U.S. Open winner won their first major. In 2019, it was Gary Woodland. In 2020, it was Bryson DeChambeau. 2021, John Rahm. And last year, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Wyndham Clark wins his first major. He actually won six weeks ago at the Wells Fargo Championship. The guy has won twice in his career on the PGA Tour, and both winning purses were $3.6 million. Guy's won twice in his career, both in the last six weeks, and earned $7.2 million total for those wins. Not bad. Not bad. Look, I wouldn't call yesterday's tournament a great one because – the top three finishers, Wyndham Clark, Rory McIlroy, and Scotty Scheffler at seven under, all shot even par. They all shot 70. So it's not like somebody came from behind and sh- you know fired a f- final round 65 and passed a bunch of people. It was pretty steady throughout the whole day yesterday. Now, Wyndham Clark did get a five-stroke lead at one point over... Ricky Fowler, and he had built it up to three strokes over Rory, but he made it interesting because he bogeyed 15 and 16. So he had a one-stroke lead, bogeying 15 and 16, and he parred 17 and 18, and so did Rory. Actually, Rory's nickname yesterday was Par. Rory McIlroy birdied the first hole of the round yesterday, and then in the final 17 holes had 16 pars and one bogey. He was first in greens in regulation. He hit 16 of 18 greens in regulation, and he had one birdie. Once again, Rory McIlroy's putting did him in. I've talked about golf in the past on this podcast. I don't know if you remember, but I've always said this. Look, these are all professionals. All these guys can bomb it. Yes, some guys can go 340 off the tee, and some guys are only, you know, 290 to 310, whatever. They can all hit bombs off the tee. They can all hit irons off the fairway. They pretty much, yeah, some have better short games than others. We get that. But on any given tournament, for four days, it comes down to putting. That's it. Very rarely will you see a guy that isn't, you know, making up a lot of grounds with his putter or first in greens in regulation. Like, if you hit 16 of 18 greens on the final Sunday of a major, you should win. It's not like Rory was far back. He was one back to start the day, and he couldn't do anything because he couldn't make a putt. 
one birdie? And you were on the green in regulation 16 of the 18 holes? I don't want to say Rory choked because I, I don't I don't like using that. But, man, I, I, I kind of feel bad for Rory because he's had an outstanding career, but he's got to cash in. It is unbelievable to think that Rory McIlroy has not won a major since the PGA Championship in 2014. If he doesn't win the British this year or the Open Championship, whatever you want to call it, if he doesn't win it next month, he'll be nine years without a major. And it's not like he stinks. The guy won the FedEx Cup last year. He's won four times on tour since he last won his major. But remember, Rory won four majors in a span of four years, and everybody thought, okay, this, not that he was going to get close to Tiger or get close to Jack, but I think a lot of people thought he was going to win double-digit majors by the end of his career. He won the U.S. Open in 2011. Then in 2012, he won the PGA. Didn't win any in 13, but then he won the Open Championship and the PGA in 14. So there he is, in a span of four years, had four majors, and he hasn't won since. And it's not like he's been injured, and it's not like he's not one of the best players in the world. This guy just can't win a major. He's going to get one, I think. I, I want to say he's going to get one, but shit. It was all right there for him yesterday. One stroke off the lead, and you hit 16 of 18 greens, and you can't make up one stroke on Wyndham Clark? Look, not to take anything away from Wyndham Clark. He played his ass off. And the the amount of clutch shots that he made, his par saves that he had, I'm not going to take that away from him. I'm just saying, if you're Rory McIlroy and you want to go down as one of the best ever, you got to hunt down Wyndham Clark on the fourth day of a major when you're only trailing by one. You just got to. And this has been Rory's problem. His putter deserts him. He just can't putt. And when you can't putt, this goes back to my point. Over the four days, you can hit the hell out of the ball, and you can constantly be on the green. All these guys are on the green. All these guys can hit the hell out of the ball. But to score, you have to putt. And I know this is a simple concept, but if you stripe a 360-yard drive down the center of the fairway, that counts as one stroke. If you miss a five-foot putt by an inch and you tap in that inch punt putt, that counts the same as your 350-yard drive. I know it's a simple concept, but that's what I mean. I mean, that's why there's the saying in golf, drive for show, putt for dough. Because your short game will determine if you win tournaments, not how far you can hit off the tee. That's why nobody in those long drive competitions that you see at 2 in the morning on ESPN, that's why none of those guys are on the PGA Tour. Great. You can roid up and hit a ball 480 yards. Let's see you chip in from 25 feet and put it close to the pin. You can't because they suck. That's the way it goes. You have to have a short game to win tournaments and to win majors because everybody's hitting the ball far. And Rory, for whatever reason, for 10 freaking years – has not been able to putt in a major. It's it's crazy because he has won tournaments and he is competing. That's why I know he's going to win one because it's not like he's just not he, it's not like he's falling off the face of the earth when the majors come around. He's competing. He's right there. He just can't cash one in. But congratulations to Wyndham Clark. What a what a gutsy win yesterday because he could have easily fallen apart after birdieing uh, bogeying 15 and 16, but 
um, had an and, and had a, an awful tee shot on 17 that he was able to make up with and get a par putt in. So, and then you know being 60 feet away on 18, eating two putts, you know he leaves it short. He could have easily three putted that. He three putted twice in four days. Four days he only three putted twice. That's going to win you tournaments. Rory gets on the green regulation 16 times yesterday and sinks one birdie putt. There's your difference. All right, in the NBA, Bradley Beal was traded to the Suns for Chris Paul, Landry Shamit, and a bunch of second-round picks. You know, on paper, you're like, oh, my gosh, look at the Phoenix Suns' big three. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal. This trade sucks. This this trade makes no sense to me for the Phoenix Suns. I don't think Washington did anything because they know we know they're not keeping Chris Paul. Chris Paul is going to be turned around. He's going to be traded away to somebody else, to a contender. And basically the Washington Wizards are going to get Landry Shamit and a bunch of second-round picks and then whatever they get for Chris Paul when they trade for him, when they trade him. But here's something that I don't like about – there are a couple things I don't like about the Suns getting Bradley Beal. Number one, he's been on a shitty team his whole career. I don't know if this guy is any good come playoff time. He's never had to compete. He's been to the second round of the playoffs, I think, once. So I don't know what I'm getting with Bradley Beal as a playoff guy because the Phoenix Suns are in this to win an NBA championship. They're not in this to get to the first or second round of the playoffs. So I don't know how Bradley Beal is going to perform in the playoffs considering he's never been there. Second thing, right now the Phoenix Suns have $162.9 million tied up into four players. Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, DeAndre Ayton. Do you know what the luxury tax ceiling is right is in the NBA? It's 162. So they're already over the luxury tax that you're allowed to get. The NBA the luxury tax the, the the tax, the salary cap in the NBA is 134 million. You're able to go to the luxury tax, which is 162. They're at 162.9 with those four players. So they now need to, assuming they don't trade DeAndre Ayton, which I'm not saying they won't because they probably will at this point. Because I don't know how DeAndre fit, DeAndre Ayton fits with this team because DeAndre Ayton is kind of a head case. And he's a guy that wants the ball. And I don't think he he's now the fourth option on this team. And maybe they trade. But let's just say they don't trade him. Now you have to get eight to ten players at minimum contract. Eight to ten players have to be willing to say, yeah, I like that Phoenix Suns team. I'll go to them for one or two million. These guys all want to get their bag. They all want money. You're already over the cap with four players. <laughs> who, who is the Phoenix Suns going to fill their roster out with? They're going to get players. Don't, t- don't get me wrong, but are they going to get good enough players? You know, when you get to the playoffs, you've got to have at least an eight-man rotation. Denver was pushing it with seven. They kind of had eight. They have like seven-and-a-half-man rotation, and they just won an NBA championship. Right now, the Suns have four. Campaign, Josh Akogi, those are going to be, you know, their fifth and sixth guys, and then whoever else they pick up. But anybody they pick up, they can't offer anything more than a few million dollars. So who are you getting? Are you going to convince some of these guys, come play with our guys? I don't know. I don't, I don't like it. I don't know how good Bradley Beal is. He's never been on a good team, so I don't know if this is going to work. His contract is ridiculous. Like I said, you're tied up. Bradley Beal's making $50 million next year. 50. 
and 162 tied up into four players. I, I don't think this is a good trade at all for the Phoenix Suns. And I, I don't even think this makes them a top four team in the West. I really don't. I, this, this trade does nothing for me uh, as a fan looking on it from the outside. On paper, yeah, it probably looks great to people because you think the Suns have a big three. And they might have a big three. But who are their other nine? Just a bunch of nobodies. And I, I just don't think that's good enough in today's NBA. So, good luck to the Suns. The other NBA story for the weekend was Commissioner Adam Silver came down and decided that John Morant was going to get 25 games suspension for the beginning of next year for holding a gun during an Instagram Live for the second time in a span of eight weeks. And honestly, I think that was a little short on my end. I thought he was going to get half a season. First suspension was eight games. They gave him 25 but the thing that drove me absolutely nuts all weekend long, and I heard it more than once from talking heads on radio and television, was how do you give a guy 25 games when he didn't even commit a crime? The gun was registered, which it was. It's legal to own a gun. And he didn't do anything wrong. He had a gun in an Instagram story. And you suspended him and cut him off work and whatever 25 games equals in terms of how much money he's going to lose, that's too excessive. He didn't even commit a crime, and you're taking 25 games away from him next season. Well, can we stop with that argument? Because that makes no sense. So because you didn't commit a crime, you shouldn't be penalized at all? That, you know what else it doesn't, isn't committing a crime? Going into your boss's office today and telling him to fuck off to his face. Go do that today. And then when he fires you, you say, what? Ha, what? That wasn't a crime. It's the optics. Especially when he did it eight weeks earlier and was suspended eight games and had to go to rehab in Florida and clearly didn't learn anything. He is working for the Memphis Grizzlies organization. He is an employee for the Memphis Grizzlies. What he's doing in his off time does not reflect well on the organization. They have every right to suspend him. He's also working. I mean, Memphis didn't even suspend him. This was the NBA. He works for the NBA. And if you're flashing a gun for the second time in eight weeks on an Instagram story, I'm sorry. They have the right to suspend you. I can't believe people are using this argument that you shouldn't be suspended because you didn't commit a crime. There's a lot of things that aren't crimes that you could lose your job over. And he's not even losing his job. He's losing 25 games, which means he can still play in 57 games next year and still make millions of dollars. So let's not feel sorry that they're cutting him out 25 games. And you know what? When you really think about it, Considering how most NBA players don't give a shit about the regular season anymore. It's probably good. He's going to have fresh legs come the playoffs. Because what are we seeing in the NBA in the last few years? And it's become popular. Load management. So this is like their load management for him. Not that they were going to rest him 25 times during the season. But now he only has to play 57 games max. 
for a young guy who really uses his legs when he plays because he can jump out of the gym, he gets in the lane, he does all sorts of dipsy-doo dunkaroos when he gets in the lane. Hell, this is probably a blessing in disguise for them. But let's stop with this notion that you have to commit a crime to be suspended. It's so stupid. And I know I've talked about this guy a few times. He's really stupid, but stupid in a good way. And that is Shohei Otani. He had another home run yesterday. Angels win. And you probably saw this going around on SportsCenter, on social media all weekend. But have you seen what Shohei Otani is doing as far as where he stands as leader of the Angels? So right now, this was going into yesterday. I don't think any of this changed because he he did hit a home run and got a couple hits or whatever. But Shohei Otani on the Angels is leading the team in batting average, in home runs, in RBIs, in stolen bases, in runs scored, in on-base percentage, in slugging percentage, in OPS, and in hits. He leads the Angels in every offensive category. All nine of those. You want to go to pitching? He leads them in six of the seven major categories, and he can't lead them in the seventh category, saves, because he's not a, he's not a closer. He leads them in ERA. He leads them in wins. He leads them in strikeouts. He leads them in whip. He leads them in batting average against, and he leads them in innings pitched. <laughs> I know it is June 19th, but can we just give Shohei Otani the MVP? Because barring him breaking his leg and being out for the season or blowing out his arm, he's the MVP. And you know what? He's basically the MVP every season. Because as I've said all of last week, nobody else is doing this. If he's remotely average, I mean, if he was average pitcher and an average hitter, he'd be doing something that we've never seen before in the history of baseball. He's elite at both. He's the MVP every season. Unless he literally hits 210 one season with 17 home runs and 54 RBIs, that's not going to happen if he plays 162 games. Or, you know, 140, 150, you know, whatever. He's just that good. (laughs) You know, he won the MVP in 2021. People said he had a better season last year. But you couldn't give it to him because Aaron Judge hit, you know, 60, whatever he ended up with, 63 home runs, 62. I don't remember how how many he ended up with. But you could have made the case that Shohei Otani was just as good last year as he was in his MVP year of 2021. But because Aaron Judge set the record for American League home runs in a season, that's why he got the MVP. I think you can give the MVP. That's what it's going to take for Otani not to win it in future seasons. You know, unless he just puts up average stats which I just don't – if he doesn't get hurt, I don't, I don't see him doing that. But, my gosh, this guy's, this, this guy's going to have close to 30 home runs and close to 70 to 80 RBIs at the All-Star break this year and lead the team in – and lead the majors in strikeouts <laughs> as a pitcher. Yeah. Good luck with that. Um, one baseball note that – another baseball note that I just wanted to end with. 
And I, I, I saw this, I think it was at a Red Sox game. Red Sox played a doubleheader yesterday with the Yankees. And foul ball went into the stands. And, you know, some uh, some parent gave it to a kid. Some parent who was there by himself or was didn't have a kid with him gave it to a kid that was like a couple rows behind him. And the kid took the ball and threw it on the field or whatever. But it just reminded me of just foul balls in general. And we've seen some people just absolutely lose their shit over a foul ball in a baseball game. And this is another pet peeve of mine. It's like I will never understand someone literally climbing over somebody else or diving in the stands for a foul ball. It's a baseball. And I know you're thinking, well, it doesn't happen very often and what if you're fi- if you're an adult, if you're over the age of, I don't know, 21, maybe 18, and you're fighting in the stands over a bunch of people for a ball that bounces into the stands, you're a loser. I'm sorry. It just give it to the kids. I understand a 9-year-old getting excited if they catch a foul ball. And even older than that, 12, 13, 14, 15. I get it. But if you're an adult, now, I've never caught a foul ball in my life. I don't even really think I've been close. And I've been to, you know, I've probably been over the course of my life. I mean, I've probably been to, I don't know, 30 games, 40 baseball games in my life. I don't know. But if I did catch a foul ball as an adult now, there's zero chance I'm keeping it. I'm finding the nearest kid and I'm giving it to him or her. Just am. I, I, it's a baseball. What am I going to do with it? I don't play baseball. I'm not a memorabilia guy. And even if I was, it's not worth anything. It just It's a baseball. There's numerous ones hit into the stands during the course of any baseball game. I don't even know what the average foul ball is. How many? What's the average foul balls in a baseball game? Let me Google that right now. Average foul balls in baseball game. It is... Um, roughly 46 foul balls are hit per game per game. Holy shit. That's more than I thought. I thought it was like 25 or 30 an average of 46 foul balls hit a game and you are going to jump over a kid or fight somebody or almost maim yourself crashing into somebody else trying to get a foul ball. (laughs) Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. And if you do, and you do end up with it, and you hold it over your head like, oh, look at me, and you don't hand it to a child, there's something wrong with you. Now, if you catch a ball, foul ball when you have a kid or a beer in your other hand and you catch it barehanded, yeah, that's cool. You don't have to give it away at that point. But I, you know who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the ones... That literally just scrounge for it. And once they get it, hold it up like they accomplish something. Hey, man, there's 45 other ones that probably went into the stands at some point during the game as well. You're not that special. Nobody cares. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it. Please subscribe and Apple Podcasts. It is much appreciated. Also, rate and review if you can. That certainly helps the podcast. Pass it along to your friends. That'll help all the time. Anyway, thank you all for listening. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.